I'm happy to be here. Good morning. Um, it's always a privilege to be able to speak, to get to speak, and I don't take it lightly at all. Pastor Roy, thank you so much for allowing all of us to speak on this topic, to uh, deliver this series. If you're just tuning in this morning, uh, we are going through a book titled Better Decisions, Fewer Regrets by Andy Stanley. And the first week, Ryan Brink, my husband, uh, gave us question number one, and it was the integrity question. It is, am I being honest with myself, really? And then Karen Brink, my sister-in-law, uh, beautifully delivered question number three, and that was the legacy question. What story do I want to tell? And this morning, I'm going to be giving you question number three. So let's pray before I start. Jesus, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for every person tuning in. I just thank you, God, that just thank you for church. Thank you for harvest. Thank you for what you're doing, doing in us individually and in us as a church. I know I could just, I could deliver a, a message perfectly, but it doesn't, it's not going to land. It's not going to do anything unless you're here, Holy Spirit. So God, I just pray that you anoint my words, direct me, and just touch every heart that's listening. Thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for what you're going to do. Thank you for the deep, deep work that you do in us. We love you, Jesus. Amen. So when I finished high school, I did what they call now a, uh, a gap year. And I did a nine-month internship at New Testament Church in Messina, New York. That was my home church at the time. And that year was incredible. But like anything, by the end of the year, I had to decide, what am I going to do next? And I had a friend. I still have a friend. Her name is Jessica Hurlbutt. She uh, is now the pastors uh, with her husband of New Testament in Messina. Um, she had gone to a university in Florida, Southeastern University, and it was, she went for ministry, and it's a Christian university, and uh, so I just looked into it. It's really cool that I knew someone who had gone to that university, so that helped, um, and so I looked into it, and it looked amazing, so I presented it to, uh, to my parents, and ministry being, doing something in ministry being what I wanted to do with all of my soul it's, it looked like the right choice. It looked really good. So yes, I presented it to my parents. I talked to them about it. And they graciously paid for my ticket to fly down to Florida to check out this university. Thanks, Mom and Dad. <laughs> they, uh, yeah, they paid for it. So I got on a plane with my aunt and flew to Florida and stayed with some family that I have in Florida. And the day came for my tour of Southeastern University and uh, a meeting with an admissions counselor. So as we're driving up to this university, my jaw drops and my heart starts pounding and I'm like, where do I sign up? Um, yes, I wanna go here. Just looking at it, it was gorgeous. Just think like central Florida, palm trees. It was beautiful. So we, we did the tour, I did the tour and I had the, the meeting with my guidance, or the, the admissions counselor. And just, it wasn't just a beautiful campus. Everything about the campus just exuded the fact that th the faculty and everyone there, their job was to point everyone to their destiny in God, like what they're supposed to do, what they're called to in life. And so it was perfect. It was awesome. But <laughs> halfway through the day, no one would have noticed, but halfway through the day, something happened. And I got a feeling. <laughs> just in my gut, I had a feeling. So by the end of the day, I, I was sitting on my bed with my aunt, 
uh, talking to her and telling her what I was feeling. And I felt like everything looked perfect. It was not only a beautiful campus, just it was a beautiful Christian college. You could go, f- to go into ministry, like go for ministry, do all these sorts of cool things. Everything looked perfect. So many people would have been happy that I went to this school. Everyone would have applauded that decision, most likely. But I didn't, I didn't, something didn't feel right. So I sat on the bed, on the bed that night with my aunt, and I cried. And I told her, I don't know why, everything looks perfect, but I'm not supposed to go here. I don't feel like I'm supposed to go here. I don't know why, and I'm so mad because I really, really, really wanted to go. But I didn't hear an audible voice from God or anything. It was just a gut feeling. It was just a, a feeling inside, like, this isn't right. This isn't what I'm supposed to do. So I, we left Florida, flew home, and I did not go to that school. Now, over a decade later, I look back, and I'm really, really glad that I didn't. But there was a tension. Maybe you have felt this before. There's a decision to be made, and everything looks perfect. It looks awesome. And then all of a sudden, you get a feeling, just this gut feeling, just a feeling inside that it's not such a good decision. Maybe I shouldn't be doing this. I don't know. It's just a feeling that I have. That brings me to question number three. Question number three is the conscience question. The question, the conscience question is, is there a tension that needs my attention? Is there a tension that needs my attention? So number one, if you have your notes, number one is it starts with a, and it's fill in the blank, it starts with a feeling. So there, I had this feeling, this feeling that we, that we feel sometimes, it, some people call it a red flag. I've heard, I've heard Christians say, uh, like other Christians say, I just had a check in my spirit. And I just usually say, it's just a feeling I had. Now, <laughs> before you completely check out um, and disregard this message because you are like my husband, if you're someone like my husband, you're just not someone who makes decision based off of how you feel. Maybe already I've said the word feeling a little too many times for you. <laughs> I want to, before you disregard this message and, and uh, this, this question, hang on, okay? Because there is, we do make decisions based off of feeling. Now, Karen last week did a beautiful job talking about like the, we don't want to make based our decisions too much on our emotions and that sort of thing. But stay with me, lean in. We're going to see that our conscience, we, we, we owe it to ourselves to pay attention to our conscience. And let me read you this quote from a book called Red Flag Decision Making. It's actually, this quote comes from Better Decisions, Fewer regret, Regrets. Emotions serve a purpose, informing us what to do. If our brain come, comes across something and categorizes it as a red flag, we will be notified through thoughts and feelings created by emotion. This red flag alerts us to pay attention. Our emotions act as a cueing system, notifying us to pay attention and take action. And there's someone in the Bible named Paul who actually talks about our conscience a lot. And I just want to throw out some some, uh, verses to you. I'm not going to read all of them. They're all in the notes. But Titus 1.15, it talks about a corrupted conscience. 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 2, it talks about our conscience being seared oftentimes by sin. Acts 24, 16, love this verse. It talks about a clear conscience. So I strive always to keep my conscience clear before God 
and man. 1 Timothy 1, 5 talks about a good conscience. The goal of this command is love, which comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. And 1 Timothy 1, 18 through 19. If you have their notes, you can look through that verse too. It also talks about a good conscience. Our conscience, (laughs) being aware of our conscience is not just for the touchy-feely, emotional, Enneagram type four type of people. We owe it to ourselves to really pay attention to our conscience. And um, a few years ago, I, I was helping a friend with something. And she, she had sent me an email of a document to read before we got together. I really needed to read this document before we got together because this is, was going to help us in what we were doing. So she gets to my house and just we start doing stuff. And she was like, so you read that document, right? And I'm telling you, in a split second, this is what went through my mind. Oh, shoot, I didn't read that document. I'm super embarrassed to tell her that I forgot. So what do I say? Yep. I lied. <laughs> and if you know her, I forgot to tell you who it was. It is our, a beautiful person from our church, Allison Rowe, a great family. She has three incredible kids. So I lied in that moment to Allison Rowe. So after I said, yep, everything inside of me was like, Brittany, you just lied. Like, I'm not, like, I don't regularly lie, but I just lied to her. Well, I could, like, if I never say anything to her, she would never know. We can just, like, get through tonight and it'll be fine. But, of course, no. I am wrecked inside. I'm like, I need to tell her right now. But I didn't. I let the night go on and she left. And that whole weekend, I was tortured. (laughs) My conscience was I was conscience stricken, okay? That whole weekend, finally Ryan was like, what's wrong? My husband, Ryan. And, and I'm like, I lied to Allison Rowe. And he was like, um, he's like he didn't baby, baby me at all. He was like, well, you need to tell her then. And I'm like, I know. Um, so I had a decision to make. Like, would I call her and tell her or no? And uh, so I didn't call her. I was like, all right, Sunday's coming. It's Saturday, Sunday's coming. If I... <laughs> I don't know why we do this, guys. I don't know why we do this. But I did this funny little thing where I'm like, well, okay, if I see Allison, you know, in the morning, then I'll ask her if she has a moment and I'll tell her. Well, I get to church on Sunday, and who do I see when I round a corner? Allison Rowe. <laughs> so I have a decision to make. It's not like the university decision, what university I'm going to go to. But in that moment, I had a decision to make. Am I going to just sweep it under the rug, that I lied to her, even though I, like, I, I didn't mean to, but I lied to her. Am I going to sweep, sweep that under the rug, or am I going to, to go to her, humble myself, and tell her and apologize? So you'll be happy to know I did. I said, hey, Allison, can I just steal you for a minute? She was busy. Can I steal you for a minute? And we sat on the steps of, of church, um, the front steps, and I told her, I told her that I, like, hey, I'm so sorry. I told her that I lied to her and I apologized. Was that easy? No. (laughs) I was drenched in sweat, super embarrassed, afraid, really just embarrassed of what she would think of me. How would this affect, like, just her image of me and all of that? And, uh, but I'm, I'm very glad I did. Was it comfortable? No. I hated doing it in the moment. But, It brought more freedom and peace into my life because of that decision. I could have decided not to. No one would have known. If we ever have to say that, that probably isn't a great thing. (laughs) No one would have ever known. She would have never known. But I felt inside a tension. Brittany, you got to do this. You have to be honest. Like, you lied to her. You need to tell her. And I'm telling you, the freedom and the peace 
that comes from doing things like that, but the freedom and the peace that comes from making decisions based off of our attention, like, oh, this is, I don't want to do this, but I'm going to do the hard thing. It brings freedom and peace into our lives. So when we keep going and ignore, and ignore our conscience, it can, it can lead us into areas where we oftentimes will have regret. I would have really regretted not telling her that um, and, and confessing. So this brings me to number two. Um, pause and pay attention. Number two is pause and pay attention. So number one was uh, you have a feeling. It starts with a feeling. And when we get that feeling, we pause and pay attention. We do a great service to ourselves when we can pause and pay attention to the tension inside of us. If something bothers you, let it bother you. Pause, face it, think about it. We rush so much in this life. I, I, I like practically run into a store. I don't know. I just do everything really fast. So this is really speaking to me. Pause, pay attention to the tension. Why am I feeling? Why does this bother me? Or why do I feel like I'm supposed to do this? What is this? Face it, embrace it. As Christians, as followers of Jesus, this feeling a lot of times, we can over-spiritualize it sometimes, but this feeling is just something that God has put in us to direct us into a, good, a better decision and away from a decision that may cause regret. And there's a, there's a person in the Bible, um, and there's a little situation that he gets into that's he experiences a very inconvenient tension. So this tension that we have is oftentimes very inconvenient and irritating, <laughs> but he experiences a very inconvenient tension, and he listens, and his name is David. Now, you probably uh, know David from David and Goliath, but he's first mentioned in the Bible from, um, as a, a shepherd boy, and he gets, long story short, he gets anointed as king as a young boy, but he doesn't become king uh, right away. There's already a king, the first king of Israel, and he is King Saul, but he's not a very good king. (laughs) And so David actually becomes pretty popular as a leader, as a warrior, because he kills Goliath and just a a couple other things. So he becomes popular, and Saul is really, really jealous. King Saul is jealous of David, so jealous that he wants him dead. So where I'm going to pick up from uh, in 1 Samuel 24 is is Saul has 3,000 men, and he is uh, searching for David because David knows that the king wants him killed. And so David flees with a bunch of other outcasts. And so Saul has 3,000 men, (laughs) 3,000 soldiers looking for for, uh, David to kill him. So listen to this. this. This story is just really kind of funny. Saul is searching for David and nature calls. Okay. First Samuel 24 verse one. After Saul returned from pursuing the Philistines, he was told David is in the desert of En Gedi. So Saul took 3000 able young men from all Israel and set out to look for David and his men near the crags of the wild goats. He came to a sheep's pen along the way. A cave was there and Saul went to relieve himself. Yes. So if you can imagine this, just like, let's picture this for a second. The king, like everybody in their caravan and like everything that they have, it's not like a highway. It's like all the animals and everything that they're like traveling with. Everyone stops because the king has to go. So it says, king, 
uh, he, there was a cave there, and Saul went in to, re- to relieve himself. So he goes into this cave. I'm sure there's lots of caves around just the geography of the area. He goes in to relieve himself. The next verse, David and his men were far back in the cave. The very cave that Saul goes in to use the bathroom is the one that David and some guys are in. How perfect, right? Perfect. And let's keep reading. So you can imagine, so they find out that Saul is in there. And uh, and you can just, next it said, the next verse it says, the men said, but I can imagine they're whispering because they're in a cave, right? So the men said, this is the day the Lord spoke of when he said to you, I will give you your, arm, your enemy into your hands for you to deal with as you wish. So pretty much they're saying, Dave, this is totally God. This is God delivering Saul into your hands. You don't even have to go search. Like, kill the king, become king. Get us out of this situation. That's all you have to do. This is totally God. This is amazing. He's right there going to the bathroom, totally vulnerable. Let's slit his throat. Like, let's kill him. Listen to this. Then David crept up unnoticed, and he didn't kill Saul, and cut off a corner of Saul's robe. And guess what? Just by cutting off a little corner of his robe, David is experiencing some tension. He just cuts off a piece of his robe, and even that has him in a little kerfuffle inside. Watch, listen to this. Verse 5. Afterward, David was conscience-stricken. Not, not for anything other than for cutting off a corner of his robe. He didn't kill Saul. He decided in that moment he didn't. He, he wouldn't kill him, but he cut off a, a corner of his robe, so he was conscience-stricken. And he said to his men, The Lord forbid, forbid that I should do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, or lay my hand on him, for he is the anointed of the Lord. With these words, David sharply rebuked his men and did not allow them to attack Saul. And Saul left the cave and went his way. In that moment, David did not take matters into his, ha- into his own, own hands. In spite of the pressure to act, David listened to the tension inside of him. He, he, was, he was able to take a moment, pause and pay attention, and think about what story do I want to tell? <laughs> Am I being honest with myself? Is this really how I want to become king by killing the king while he's going to the bathroom? Like, is this really what I want to do with my life? Is this right? No, he's the, he is the Lord's anointed. God put him there. It is not my place to take him down. So in that moment, he paid attention to the tension. And because of that, he does have a better story to tell. Now, David, <laughs> David was conscience stricken. He felt the tension within himself. And this brings me to number three. <laughs> Woo, number three is an intense one, everybody, okay? Number three, the problem with other people. It's one thing when we have tension inside of ourselves and we feel like my, my university story, like I just felt, it wasn't anyone else saying that I shouldn't go. I felt inside, ah, I just, it, I shouldn't do this. And even though it was hard, it was, you know, it was right and all that. It's one thing when we have the tension inside of ourselves. It's a whole other ball game when someone else, when somebody else brings something up. Because it causes, a lot of times, relational tension. And it causes tension because we all have the tendency 
to dodge the truth by discounting the teller. What does he know? What does she know? They've never walked in my shoes. I don't really respect her, so I'm not really going to listen to what she has to say. I don't respect him. Because I don't like where the information is coming from, I'm going to ignore the information. Whew, gets us in a sticky spot, but I have definitely felt those, felt those things before. And I'm sure many of you, maybe many, many of you have. Now, it could be someone that like, you know, I don't like, I don't really care what they have to say. Or, or someone who you love and respect can bring something up, kind of bring something into the light. You're like, hey, have you thought of this? And what they have to say kind of makes you squirm a little bit. You don't like what they have to say. <laughs> and you don't really want to hear that in the moment. And, uh, and that can cause uh, just some tension too. A couple years ago, I... <sighs> had a meeting with Pastor Roy, and uh, we ha we've had many meetings, but I had a meeting with him, and uh, I, can't, I, I can't remember what you're talking about, but I probably was getting a little fiery about something, or I don't know, and uh, <laughs> Pastor Roy said something to me, one line. He goes, Brittany, he stops me, Brittany, you can be scary sometimes. And I'd like to say that in that moment, I, like, something broke in me, and I was like, oh, my goodness, like, you're right. I, like, I have some work to do. I have some things to work on. I need to ask myself some questions. I need to, you know, there's some stuff that I need to work on. That did not happen. <laughs> I left that meeting, and if smoke could come out of ears, smoke was coming out of my ears. I was so mad <laughs> because now in this situation is someone that I love and respect but I didn't want to hear that and it and it like it made me mad and I I was like well what does he know you know like oh and so I had all these feelings but I I paused and I and I took some time and I talked to my husband and just really thought about some things and then I just from that one line I started asking myself some questions and just realizing like wow why, why do some things just like make me so angry all of a sudden? And why, like, why do I have to be so, why am I so defensive? There's certain situations and certain things that I feel like I have to prove myself and be super defensive. And so this one line from Pastor Roy, I did not like in the moment. I could have gone home and just let it like gone the other way. And just really thought, like, what does he know? Blah, 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 blah. And been super offended and whatever. But I asked myself some questions. Were they easy questions to ask? No. But that one line from Pastor Roy, among other things, led me. I was like, you know what? I hear, I hear, I hear there's a really good counselor to see that some other people are seeing. So it led me into a year of really hard but really beautiful a really beautiful year of counseling, a really beautiful year of digging some stuff up. Because usually anger and wanting to prove yourself and being defensive and all of that, really, that's just the outward stuff. There's usually inner stuff that needs that. There's usually pain that needs to be, to be processed and pain that needs to be healed and some work that Jesus wants to do on us inside. And that's what he did that year. And that, I'm just so thankful that that I, I paused enough to realize, you know what? I didn't like what he had to say. I did not like that. But it was true. 
and there were some things that I needed to work on, and it led to more freedom and more peace in my life, and I'm so thankful for that. So we owe it to ourselves, owe it to ourselves to pay attention to the tension regardless of the source. So number four, if your decisions look a little different, this is the fill in the blank, good. If your decisions look a little different, good. I want to say this this morning. We, some, if not all, of our decisions as Christians are going to look different to the rest of the world. They're going to look different. They're going to be contrary to culture. They're just going to be a bit different. You may have a tension about something that maybe your family, some family or some friends or coworkers, they don't have a tension about it. They don't feel like, oh, maybe this isn't the right thing. Or you, need, you feel like you're supposed to do something and no one else thinks, like, I don't need to do that. You're just, you may have these feelings of, uh, of attention and it, they might be like countercultural. It may just be different from a lot of people. And that's good. <laughs> just some examples like you, you get a job offer, you know, across country and you, and it's a lot of money. It's a really p- good paying job. All, everything looks perfect. All of a sudden, I don't know why. I just feel like I'm not supposed to take this job because I need to stay planted in my local church countercultural let me tell you like that is countercultural but you just feel it and if you stop and pause and pay attention to the tension it could lead you to a beautiful story to tell either either one maybe it could be good but i think there is a best sometimes and there and and if we pause and pay attention we may just sense ah you know what need to stay home and stay planted in my local church maybe you're feeling like you feeling like you want to like try tithing whoa countercultural. <laughs> Why give your hard-earned money to church? But there's something miraculous that happens. It tr- there's truly something miraculous that happens. And so you may just be feeling like you want to experiment with tithing. You choose to be quiet and not gossip about someone, even if it's someone who has hurt you and offended you. You're feeling hurt by this person and other people are talking about them, but you choose not to gossip. This decision is powerful, powerful. What if this decision, you get out to your car, you just went shopping, grocery shopping, wherever. You get out to your car and you notice on your receipt, something was not scanned. So you didn't pay for it. And you could just drive away and essentially steal. (laughs) Or you could go back into the store and blow the cashier's mind that someone would have the audacity to go back in and inconvenience themselves and be honest about it. Now, sometimes I feel like we just like, we measure our decisions, like choosing a university, huge decision. Yes, it's big, but returning something that you didn't buy is just as big. Because there's times where I've, in my journey with Jesus, I've found that he's more concerned with my character than my comfort. It's not comfortable. Is it convenient to go back into the store? One time I got back, it, Luella was a baby, my, my one-year-old. She was a baby, so she's in the carrier in the, in the grocery cart. And uh, I got, you know, I had both kids during COVID, the masks and all that. Blah. And so I get out to the van and I'm like putting groceries in and I realize there's a brick of cream cheese under her, uh, her 
car seat. <laughs> and I'm like, no. And I'm pretty sure it was raining that day. So just imagine me, two kids, raining, I have a bunch of groceries, and now I have to go back into the store. Of course, it's not, it's not a question, but you know, it's like super annoying. But I'm like, well, this is a learning experience for Everest. We can, I can, my four-year-old, I can explain it to him and all that. But these little decisions, I could have decided to be like, whatever, it's, brick, it's a brick of cheese, it's $2, who cares? Essentially, I would be stealing. <laughs> but in that moment, these decisions, we think picking a university is the biggest decision and, and returning cream cheese is a small one. But a lot of times, life is full of these little decisions that are powerful. And when we follow the tension, when we, when we do the hard thing, it can bring more freedom and more peace into our life. God is concerned with our character. He loves us and he wants to develop and grow us. So question number three comes with a decision. And the decision is this. I will pause even when I can't pinpoint the cause of my hesitation. I will explore rather than ignore my conscience. And as we finish up, I just want to say that God is a God of restoration. If you are feeling throughout this, uh, this series like, I've already made really bad decisions, and or I'm in the thick of the consequences of my bad decisions or something, I just want to let you know if any type of, like if there's any hopelessness or anything, I just want to just infuse you with hope that God is a God of restoration. He comes to redeem us. He, he redeems lost time. He can heal our hearts and he can change stories around. And I just want to read a, uh, a verse. It's Psalm 103, 8 through 12. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. Thankfully, thank you, Jesus. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. God is bigger than our bad decisions and he loves you. And what's cool about this stuff is we can start making really good decisions today. And like every Sunday, this is not just what we do at the end of a sermon. Um, we really, really, really love to take some time and give an opportunity to anyone. If you're feeling, maybe you're feeling a little bit, bit of a tension <laughs> inside. Hey, I don't know about all this, but something just feels true and right about it. And you've, if you've never asked Jesus into your life, if you've never said that prayer, if you've never, never taken that step, Karen said it so beautifully last week about Jesus being the lead in our story. He's the best storyteller. I loved that last week. He is the best storyteller. He can lead you in your life. And if you've never taken that step, I want to give you an opportunity to pray this prayer with me. So just take a moment, take a deep breath, and repeat after me. Dear Jesus, thank you for being compassionate and gracious to me. I can't earn my own salvation. And I certainly don't deserve it. I believe you are God. And I believe you died on the cross. And rose again to save me from my sin. I want the new life you bring. Come into my heart this morning. And make me brand new. Amen. 
Thanks, everyone. We give you praise and all of the honor. You are our God, the one we live for. We give you praise and all of the Thank you so much for joining us this morning and for taking part of our service. If you did make the decision to receive Jesus in your heart for the first time, we just want to let you know that you have made the best decision ever. And we're so excited for this next step in yep. your journey. We're celebrating with you. Yes. Heaven is celebrating yes. with you. And we would just like for you to let us know by call by texting the number on the screen. We would love to give you a Bible and to help you with the next step in your journey. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and don't try to do it on your own because it doesn't work. And uh, we just want to encourage you to reach out, even if it's just one person that you can reach out to. And we'd just love to uh, walk alongside with you. Thanks for joining us, everybody. And we wish you all a really great week.